Make sure to tune in to the newest podcast on the Riot Network, The Carolina Line, every Tuesday launching August 6th. I'm Stormy Bonatoni with former Panthers Al Wallace. Al Wallace, your pass rusher here. And Kevin Donnelly. The guy that protects the QBs, and we got the inside knowledge. <laughs> Featuring moments like this. Ten-year NFL veteran and played here last five seasons with the Carolina Panthers, part of the best defensive line in Carolina Panthers mm. history. Oh. I'm going to put that yes. out in the atmosphere. <laughs> right hey, now but we're extremely excited Facts. yeah to dig into some x's and o's talk about the big guys on the line you know when you have a four-man look a quarterback is looking at four guys that are probably your four main rushers with a three four line you know your three main rushers where's the other guy coming from there's going to be somebody from somewhere and what excites me i think a little bit is you know, Luke, I think, can continue to improve on his pass rushing skills. He said that, I think, maybe two camps ago, that he wants to get better at that. But what I think I'm getting excited about is maybe that role of Shaq Thompson, you know, a guy that had three and a half sacks last year in just certain situations where they blitzed him. But he is so fast and so athletic. I'm just envisioning him, you know, running a cross dog with, with Luke Keekley in the middle and he breaks free or he loops around one of the ends that's pinching and takes up a couple of linemen and just seeing that speed come around the corner and close in on quarterbacks. That, you know, to me, that's what I'd like to see from this defense. That's the Carolina Line. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever your local podcasts are sold. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to One Day Contract, the Panthers talk show where each week we're joined by a new personality who we've signed to a one day contract to join the show. One Day Contract is a proud part of the Riot Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Check out some of our network mates. It is what it is, the Roaring Riot podcast, not what you think, and debuting August 6th, the Carolina line with Al Wallace and Kevin Donnelly. For more great talk about your favorite team, follow the Riot Network on Twitter at the Riot Network to stay up to date on all your favorite pods. Subscribe, rate, and love us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. My name is Nikki Wolf. With me, as always, Mr. Josh Klein, managing editor for the Riot Report, co-host of It Is What It Is, has already sweat through three shirts in Spartanburg. I would have taken the over on that. Yeah, I've, uh, I feel like I've kind of sweat through my shirt here today on the on the Panthers off day in Charlotte, spent some time outside. And then um, I'm not afraid to tell you guys here in the Roaring Riot podcast studio, uh, I, I did not get a chance to hop in the shower today, so it's. Um, I apologize in advance when you're questioning what that smell is. It's right here. So uh, glad this is an audio medium for you, all you fine folks out there. What a way to start the show. Yep, <laughs> I am gross. <laughs> can we actually start over? I don't. Wanna, I don't. Wanna, <laughs> uh, can we cut this part out? Nope. We're. This is actually the teaser video. Nikki, now. I've actually got very great hygiene, <laughs> and uh, I'm just gonna edit point right here. I'm actually a very clean gentleman, and I shower all the time, and sometimes I wash my hair. Mm, we'll see. <laughs> Alongside of him, Mr. Colin Hoggard, columnist and contributor for the Riot Report, wants to make sure he sets the right tone for his 2019 season, and that starts today. What a beautiful day in the Queen City. What beautiful weather in July in the Queen City. This has been a wonderful week. Wow, you are happy. Hey, look, there today. is there I is no it. reason not to be optimistic. We have we have a football team full of potential. We have a season laying ahead of us, a chance to whip some Saints and Falcons and Bucks along the way. 
Things are looking up. Feeling good. <laughs> I feel like this is a whole new column. You really turned over a new leaf no, for season is, two. It's 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 an annual thing. I get far enough away from the games and I start feeling upbeat. And then I have to be slowly drugged back to reality in painful fashion throughout the course of the season. Yeah, that sounds about right. Unless, of course, it works out, and then I get to say I called it and be <laughs> be uh, be proud of the, them making the playoffs. Nothing better than than going against yourself immediately and being like, I think they're going to be absolutely awesome this year, and then like two seconds later, they're going to be absolutely terrible. And then either well, way, you're covered. It's it's the NFL, and and anything can happen. I, I am I'm enthused it, it, to follow on what we talked about last week. I'm just. I'm so excited about seeing Cam Newton surrounded by weapons. Mm. Like instead of it being the Cam Newton show, e- even though we're you know we're we're breaking down every piece of Twitter video that, that that you guys are putting out there, looking at Cam's form, looking at everything, watching it over and over again. But the reality is, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Christian McCaffrey. If we get, if we if we get old reliable back to old reliable status at t- tight end, this is without a doubt the best. Uh, you know, assembly of talent around Cam since he's been here. And that, w- with what he has been t- for this team, that's that's a reason enough to be excited today for me. And that's what that's what's keeping me pumped up. Even if they're playing in half pads or just in T-shirts or whatever, I'm, I'm buying into all the Samuel and DJ Moore snags and everything. What's your shower situation? You done one today? Uh, yes. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm an adult. Um, <laughs> I managed to, managed to fit that in to the course of the day. I knew it was going to be around other adults. And um, so, yeah, yeah, I, I managed to fit that in. Well, touche. <laughs> as you did, as evidenced by your edit. Yeah, exactly. I also yeah, did. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. Sorry, sorry. Weird question, I know. Uh, but, I, but I did want to just – I was just curious whether you had or had not showered today. And um, as had I. Are you looking for support Because I am also right an now? adult. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know. Are y'all done with shower talk? I, th- I think I should introduce the guest. Yeah, it's our new segment. <laughs> he didn't leave, so that's a plus. Still here. I'm sure he Just showered listening. today. <laughs> I'm sure he has showered. Well, if once we get to shower talk with Max Henson, we'll know. Oh, sorry, I said his name. Way to go. On the one-day contract, Max Henson, digital coverage for Panthers.com, unpaid new restaurant tester, and incredibly mm. excited about the opening of Optimus Hall in so Charlotte. So excited. Scale so of 1 excited. to 10, how excited? Um, I'd say it's an eight because not everything I want to go to is opening yet. Mm, um, if it was the full menu, it would be a 10. Uh, I think it's huge for the city to have something oh, like absolutely. this. So I'm just fired up. The, everything that, that is coming looks awesome. You know, it's just like, it's what I look, I look at it as like a upscale food court, you know, like instead of chain restaurants, it's just, you're surrounded by like cool, local inspired places. And that fires me up. You don't the like foodie the, in me gets very excited. You don't like the walk places at the mall that gives you like a piece of chicken when you No, I do by? love those too. Yeah, those I do are, love those I will, too. I will not have you besmirching <laughs> yes. the Manchu walk. The, the chicken, not on this show. Chicken teriyaki. All right? yeah. Oh, man, the bourbon chicken. That That's usually like, what it Let is. me have a little taste mm-hmm. just, to make sh- just to see how it is. Yeah. As, as the least foodie person amongst the group, although I do enjoy fine dining, good dining. You I like say, food. not fine dining, good dining. <laughs> Uh, what were you saying? You love squash blossoms. Those are your new oh, favorite. Things? Oh yeah, it's tremendous. Fried it's tremendous. squash I, blossoms. I, I, I love paying. I love paying for 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 summer summer squash fritters and then just getting fried dough. It's, it's tremendous. It makes me believe in everything else that's coming out from the kitchen. Uh, but I, I, I think I think it's an important part of being a foodie to be able to celebrate the fair of. Of, of the food court and things like that, to not turn one's nose up. No, I think there's a place in the world for both. I'm just excited Charlotte doesn't have what Optimus Hall is bringing to the table, so I'm excited for it I to I agree get that. with that. Because if you don't celebrate 
cookout, for instance. Sure. You know, you're not, yeah. You know. I think the problem for me with cookout, and I feel like I'm going to get some angry emails here, but like the problem is that like the big sell for cookout is that you can get a corn dog as a side, right? Like that's mm-hmm. the big like. And chicken Well, nuggets. I love cookout because you can get don't you get that shake as your side, and it's like what else I get do you it. need? Those shakes uh, for me, the shakes are where it's at. They're like, amazing. I, like yeah. I would rather go to cookout for a shake than go there for my actual meal. They have a good ice there too. Oh yeah, I love that ice. I mean that that can really make or break a place. Is that I agree. I, I would refer to it as Sonic Ice, but I know that's probably not the official name for it. The good ice. Yeah, yeah the I good ice. Get that the good, good ice. ice. Uh, Max, did you shower today? I did. Thank mm. you. I did. I didn't know as I was going to get so much credit for that. Three but. out of four. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> really? I also damned yourself, Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, this isn't getting edited. The only, the only one that not. the only one that didn't get asked. So I assume. Hey, I am showered and I washed my hair. Look how shiny it is. Yeah. Beautiful. Lucky this isn't going on TV. <laughs> <laughs> I look great. All right. We're starting the show with Nikki's super important question. There were no questions on the iTunes. So I came up with this. Hey, and leave us a review. Five Come stars. On. Come on. This is redonkulous. I know it. you go in there. You give the rating. Just type it up. Hey, Nikki, you're so fine. You're so fine. You blow my mind. <laughs> hey, Nikki. Yes. That should be some, somebody's review. That probably. should be. Absolutely. Yeah. With five stars. Uh, we were talking about this before the show, so let's go with it. This is a two-parter. Mm. Your go-to Mexican restaurant in the Charlotte area and your go-to order when you go to a Mexican restaurant. Okay. I like how we're uh, really squeezing out people that don't live in Charlotte that are our The listeners. Charlotte area. Okay. All right. Sorry. I know Belmont has some kick-ass Mexican places. I'm not sure if that counts as a curse. Um, I say no. <laughs> is El Cancun still around? <laughs> um <laughs> I, so my go-to – here's my thing. My Uh-oh. go-to Mexican order, I'm a big torta guy. So if they have a torta on the menu, I'm probably going to get that because I like a nice, like, either a chicken torta, like a like a fried chicken torta is really good. Um, and then, if I can be perfectly frank, I've been ordering the vegetable fajitas at Three Amigos because they pile that thing so high with – so much, and I, my wife makes fun of me all the time because I'm always like, these carrots are unbelievable, and she's like, they're just carrots mm-hmm. with like a ton of butter and oil, and I'm like, yeah, yeah well, delicious. That's what they are, and then you just slather on that guac, you slather on that sour cream. I know a lot of people are like, oh, steak fajitas, chicken fajitas, those can be a little bit like for me, uh, like up and down, like you just don't yeah. know what they're gonna be from a restaurant to restaurant basis. You know those veggies are gonna be soaked in oil and soaked in butter, and probably be pretty spicy and have some jalapenos in there, so. That's my go-to. Jalapenos. That's true. What uh, do you have, Colin? Is is Moe's an acceptable answer? God. There's what? Are we going to have to fight on the very, second episode? It's very like, on brand for yeah. the conversation we were having. <laughs> he would have said, of course he would say Moe's. <laughs> I'm just saying, look, the cup of white gold is what I'm here for, and and they deliver time and again. Is that queso? Uh, yes. This what? is the gold. This is Thanksgiving sides all <laughs> over again. <laughs> said cranberries are your favorite Thanksgiving side, and you just said your favorite Mexican restaurant is Moe's Southwest Grill. That's crazy. I didn't say it was my favorite. I said it's where I regularly go <laughs> to get Mexican food. <laughs> all right, food. see, that's fair. Okay. See, uh, now, you know, I, I'm the Belmont representative for the, for the podcast. Uh, we There is a local... Uh, Mexican place there. We go there regularly. We enjoy it quite, uh, quite, you know, quite a lot. And I get margaritas, and that probably is why I enjoy it mm. um, quite a lot. Um, but I don't think they've gotten more to right yet, so I don't want to give them credit, even though we go there and it's good food. Don't so want to shout them out either. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. fair. Okay, 
Max. What was the place called that we went to? The Safeway the sandwich that, counter? Yeah. yeah, that's what I, I was mean, gonna say, but then the, I got caught up into the was that a, and it, that was a torta, right? Yeah, that was a torta. So, torta. I mean, torta. I think that place definitely deserves a mention. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> did he just say a gas station and, and you nodded and I said Moe's and you? Uh, it's a my grocery this store. Is, this is a this is a foodie destination. That's right. Oh. I love stuff like this where it's like this hidden spot where you have to like. You have to have heard about it from somebody. You wouldn't have fi- you wouldn't find it on you know just like googling best Mexican restaurant in Charlotte. Uh, and so Josh and I tried it one time. Went back to in the back of the Safeway. There's just like a little counter, and they just serve these amazing tortas. Have you been there? I, I feel haven't. like you must have. Been. You've I never have not been there. Been there but I have you wa- been to Mo's? <laughs> I think I've been to Mo's once in my life. Mm, okay. I was one and done. They get free chips there, right? With like with your order. I know yeah, about. Yeah, I, like I, I do know like that. You know what I'm sandwich. talking about. Yeah. It's yeah. like a famous just, sandwich. Yeah. The other thing I would mention, only because of the uh, Josh's wife and I have this dispute about how you pronounce it, Superica mm. or Superica. I believe it's Superica. In oh. South End. I had to say it on TV, and they had to tell me like 45 times before I went on, and I still can't remember. I call <laughs> it Superica. I'm I think pretty it's sure delicious. we called it right. Like we did yeah. call, and we asked, and so we would see like when yeah. they answered the phone how they and they pronounce it Superica, which doesn't. And we hung so. up immediately. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> Super Rica, click. Bye. But I do love that place, and my go-to order is enchiladas. Mm. Nice. Yeah. My go-to is a little hidden place. It's over by the airport, like on the service road. Mm-hmm. It's called Miguel's. Mm. It looks like an old house. It's crazy. It's the cheapest, like, lunch and dinner yeah. specials. I always go get the lunch chimichanga. Basically anything covered in queso. That's mm. my go-to order somewhere. Covered in queso. It all sounds good. White yep. gold. The w- white gold. <laughs> Texas tea. I think that's black gold. <laughs> So, yeah, go leave us a review. Leave your question there so I can ask it on the show or else we're going to continue to probably talk about food every week. Yeah, I, th- I think people love it. People love food. All right. I guess we should talk about football now that we're – We do. Mark got the down. food out of the way. Mark yeah. it down. Mark it down. Let's start with narratives and expectations. Did we set up Greg Little to fail by deeming him starting LT before the season began? Um, it's weird, right? Like Because I was actually trying to think about this. I was talking to somebody and saying, you know, is it is it hard for him to come in here and just be the backup to a guy like Daryl Williams? And I was thinking, did Marty Herney and Ron Rivera talk about how they expect him to come in to be the starter? And they didn't really. They just said, we think he's going to come in. We think he can be a left tackle for the future. He's going to come in and compete. And I know me personally, I'm certainly guilty of it as much as anybody. I kind of ran with the narrative of like, they just drafted him to be the starting left tackle week one, put pencil him in for Los Angeles. And now I think a lot of people are disappointed that Daryl Williams is getting the first team left tackle reps. And, um, and I'm not sure that's the right reaction. It's just, uh, it, it's just interesting to me mm-hmm. that he has like already failed five days into camp. He's stunned, stunned silence. Yeah. I was waiting, <laughs> I I was waiting yeah. for you to <laughs> chime in. Oh no. I, look, the, this, this public, the, the, the public outcries, whatever. It's ridiculous. He says five days in the camp. He's a rookie. Guess what? He's going to get made to look like a rookie because that's what happens, particularly once we get to the regular season. If mm-hmm. he gets a chance to play, he's going to look like a rookie. Anybody that's trying to cast somebody out five days into camp, like find something else. Just find a different hobby. Find something else to do. Well, that's yeah. the thing is I think in today's day and age with the way that the media works, um, you can uh, – our phone was ringing in the background. That's what's going on in case you're curious if you can hear that. Um, uh, <laughs> it's a little behind-the-scenes Yeah, exactly, but lifted up the curtain for you. <laughs> I, I just don't know what, what 
unless you drafted like a generational guy, any guy is going to be going through this. And and I, I, I don't I don't understand because to me like I, you you guys heard it. I'm excited about this time of year. I'm enthused about this time of year. Do I know who the five starters are going to be on the offensive line? No. Do I think they got some time to figure it out? Yeah. Yeah. And and, and by and large, they do figure it out most you know most years. I I just don't. I'm just not at a point where I'm because for one, I haven't watched Greg Little play. A snap, unless uh, of course I've I've seen him in the, you know a clip when I was watching you know Cam, right. um, in the background. I, I I have no there's no ground for me to stand on to say that 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 he's failed and and this expectation I just think is, it, you can say it's the way the media is it's because the media wants something to write then if that's if that's what's driving it is it's just people looking for something to write and you go after a rookie after less than a week and it's like okay congratulations you've identified that the rookie. Less than a weekend isn't fully prepared. Woohoo! Go well, I, go get your tortas I, from the buffet line. I don't. I don't think it's the. I'm, I'm, I don't think the media is necessarily right. I haven't written about yeah, how so. Greg Little is not ready for prime yeah. time. Well, I think it's more the, way the, the media, the, is the, now. the social social media and that kind of stuff. But you're yeah. right. I think that's kind of our uh, in this okay. culture that we are in this this immediate me me me. It's like. When Corn Elder went out there for the first team nickel reps, people mm-hmm. were like, "Well, this is here we go. Like this guy got burned yeah. in Seattle, and now he's going to be the nick." And it's like, guys, it's it's July twenty seventh. But yeah. t- Twitter's not the real world either. People on Twitter need something to say about anything, otherwise they're just sitting there and scrolling. So they're going to chime in. They're going to say things. Like to me, I I'm not. I mean, I, I'm interested in seeing all these guys, but the idea that you're you're ready to pass judgment on anyone right now, it, I, I just think that. You're you're looking to be upset at something, which is kind of Twitter's mo. So I sure, mean. I think there's a difference between looking at what Greg Little has done in these first few days of camp and just evaluating that, and then also saying he's a bust. Yeah. So I think we can separate the two, right? right. I think we can look at the first five practices and say Greg Little has taken his lumps. Yep. Fair enough. The guy's a rookie. He's a 21 year old kid. You're putting him at left tackle. He's got to block Mario Addison, Bruce Irvin, and Brian Burns. It's not going to go well all the time. Yeah. That's fine. He's got a lot of time to still grow and develop, and I think we're going to see that take shape. I, this is not surprising in the least to me that he's out there having some struggles right now. This is what happens to young offensive linemen in this league. These drills that we're sharing on social media are geared towards a defensive player to begin with anyway. You don't get to see the team drills, mm-hmm. and I think he looks a lot more comfortable in those settings when yep. he's got a guard next to him and he's able to kind of pass some things off and – you know, he's playing real football, not one-on-one isolation pass rush situations. Um, so I think we got to separate the two. And, and that was what I tried to point out. I, I put out a four-second video of Brian Burns and Greg Little going one-on-one, and I got 200,000 views and blew up. And everybody was telling me, one, that Brian Burns was a Hall of Famer, and two, that Greg Little was a bust. And it's just not how this works. Right. Um, so I, I, I just think that's kind of, unfortunately, just what you guys are talking about, the nature of how these things go. Uh, but I, I try to separate the two, and I think, yeah, Greg Little is dealing with the rookie struggles that a guy like him is going to deal with at that position, and that's fine. Uh, but it does not mean you know, that we can now look six weeks ahead and say, when the season starts, we know that we can't trust Greg Little because of a four-second clip we saw from training camp. And to look at – you mentioned those three guys he's going against. Look, Mario Edison led the team in sacks last year. Brian Burns is a guy, three that years. The guy that was picked ahead of him in the draft. Mm-hmm. And Bruce Irvin, who is a veteran pass rusher who knows what in the world he's doing on an mm-hmm. NFL football field. Yeah. Yeah. This is baptism by fire. Absolutely. This is what you want him to go into. The, the, the piece of this that Max is talking about, too, is this one-on-one. That's not real life. Norv Turner is going to protect Cam. 
He is going to protect Cam. Whether you know, however that's going going to happen, he's. It's not like well, we have to leave Greg Little on an island. You, that's not the way yeah. offense works. The, the, the drill is is slanted towards the defense, and it's slanted towards veterans who know what they're doing. Yeah, I mean Mario's probably you know if if Mario's giving him his lumps, he may very well be saying, "God, Mario, what are you doing? I'm not going to tell you. You got to go figure it out in the film room. You got to go figure." I mean that's not uncommon for guys mm-hmm. to say that. And until Greg gets that, gets whatever Mario's doing to him or, or, or Bruce has done, you know, figured out. He's going to keep taking those lumps. Yeah, when I, I remember during OTAs or minicamp, I talked about these matchups that Brian Burns and Greg Little have, and, and they were saying, like, it's the best thing for us because, mm-hmm. you know, we get to – I get to go against Brian Burns, an elite pass rusher. You get – it. Burns gets to go against, against a big guy that's still learning but is also kind of at least – on has good pass protection skills is kind of was an elite pass protector in college. Right. So they're always playing that game of like, Hey, when I put my hands here, like I'm trying to do this. And then those are the kind of things that get translated onto the field eventually. And yeah. I, I don't think, and to be honest, I, I wish that I had paid more attention or that I could remember I don't remember what Taylor Moten was like the first week of training. Yeah, he struggled. Camp. Did yeah, he? Yeah. yeah, I'd imagine yeah, he did. I, right? I don't. I don't know many offensive linemen who come out of the draft and their first training camp that first week are just killing it and yeah. are you know no one is saying anything, pointing out any mistakes. That's that's. I mean, I think honestly, as an offensive line coach, there would be a problem if they didn't have anything to critique, right? Yeah. I mean, you honestly, to to Colin's point, you want these guys to have a little bit of that baptism by fire. That's how you learn. I mean, this is the time to do it. And Josh, you mentioned coming out of the draft, kind of uh, what Marty's thoughts were. I, I do think that in his heart of hearts, he would have loved to have been able to say, Greg Little is penciled in as our starting left tackle. Sure. I think people loved the idea of saying, ooh, maybe Darrell Williams can play left guard. Mm-hmm. And then let's look at this five group of five, and we feel really good about that. It may not work out that way. It might be Darrell Williams at starting at left tackle, and it might be Greg Little coming off the bench or learning a little bit in this first rookie season. And I think there's a guy in Greg Van Roten who proved he could do the job last year. And that's what you have depth for. And that's yeah. what you create options for is you're not exactly sure how things are going to play out, but you want to give yourself as many options as possible. I think that's what Marty's done. And like I said, we'll see how Greg progresses these next few weeks. I'm not going to set anything in stone just yet. Um, but whether it's Daryl or Greg, he's given himself options. Yeah. And I wonder if you look back, I mean, how many teams, you know, throughout the NFL have their, their five on the first day of training camp and it's the same five on opening day? I mean, it, to me, the, we want and how, them. And how many of those teams have the same five opening day starting all 16 games of the season? I mean, right. you, you're going to deal with some stuff on the offensive line, which, right. I, which we know. And it's so it's good to get these guys moving around, different experience, because you don't know who may go down, but you know somebody probably will go down. And, and so – this is this is a process. They, there's no exam for them tomorrow, and uh, I just think that, that being patient with the process right now. Like, why would you rob yourself of your of, of this time to, to be enthusiastic about this team? I, I just don't see a reason. For, again, on this offense, to be down on this offense. Maybe the offensive line is going to be um, be problematic, but I think they will figure it out. I think they've got weapons to make it easier on the offensive line for once rather than the offensive line trying to make it easier for everybody else. Yeah, I think because maybe you're a glum person and you don't have anything else to do except for respond well, on Twitter. You're on Twitter. So, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> do you think there – are there people that just, like, don't – that just lurk on Twitter? Those exist, right, that just literally don't post ever? They must, right? Yeah, like I'm, I'm just, close yeah. to that. I, mean, I guess I'm close to that. But, I mean, I, I probably pop up once a week, twice yeah, a week or something like still, that. But you, you have some negative things to say about uh, the Charlotte Hornets. So, I mean, you got to get <laughs> yeah. this out there. <laughs> yeah, it happens. It happens. Yeah. Cranberry uh, Foster. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that it's uh, – I, I think so. What we did with, with Greg Little, we did the opposite with Will Greer. 
because as soon as they drafted Will Greer, that we just immediately tamped down the flames of like, they drafted Will Greer to be the backup, third mm-hmm. round pick, 100th pick, don't freak out, don't expect too much from him, it's going to be fine. Like, mm-hmm. he's going to come in here and maybe compete for the backup spot. Maybe he's not even going to be the backup. Like, we, we immediately... Well, you, you were trying to douse the flames that were beginning to grow of, like, that they had somehow disrespected Cam Newton. Right, right? Exactly. That was what we were trying to accomplish yeah. with that. And, and, it's, and I think it worked, to be honest. Like, I, I think that maybe, maybe you saw a little bit in the national media, but for the most part over the past few months, I kept expecting, like, whenever we would tweet out something about, like, or put it on Facebook, like, these videos of Will Greer having mm-hmm. a nice throw, people would be like, oh, my God. Start him. I, I haven't really seen that kind yeah. of groundswell. I think a lot of that has to do with Cam yeah. being able to throw. That first ball. night when Cam threw a couple deep balls, I yeah, think I that's mean, it was, that, it was that, magical. That, that honestly set the tone for Cam, you know. Yeah. And I think really the season, uh, because that's the the cloud that hangs over this team and is going to continue, is everyone just sort of wondering, is Cam going to be okay? Uh, and so on that first night to see him do what he did, I think, yeah. Will Greer suddenly was put in proper perspective, and it was everyone acknowledged that our guy might be back. Yeah, and that feels very much like the, his first game ever against against Arizona because we were all very uncertain about mm-hmm. like what is this what is this entity we've got? We know he won the Heisman, he won the national championship, but can he throw? And then he fires one down the left sideline to Smitty, and it was just like are we gonna, we are gonna be okay, y'all. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that it's. Um uh, I mean, what Cam has done the first five days of practice, I think, and uh, maybe this is what you expected. I think it's far and above what I expected. I was him surprised. To be. I, I was yeah. surprised. I yeah. thought it would be. I thought they would be inching him in, especially when you look at the way that Ron Rivera talked. You look at the way that kind of like this, the the breadcrumbs that they were laying for us was a lot of like, don't get your hopes up, mm-hmm. don't freak out when he's not throwing. It's going to be fine. We're going to bring this in slowly, and then all of a sudden, it was like it was like uh, they didn't. Um, yeah, it's like in that Star Trek movie when they pretended that uh, that Khan was not in it, but then he was in it. They did the entire advertising campaign where there was no Khan, and then all of a sudden, mm. 10 minutes into the movie, okay. it's like, it's Khan. And you're like, oh, <laughs> yes! I think we know what you did today. Benedict Cumberbatch is Khan. <laughs> I am stoked! I'm like, are we talking about Star Trek? What just happened? Oh, I'm sorry. Should we talk about Moe's Southwest Grill for another <laughs> oh, ten minutes? Don't, don't, don't get snippy with me. Um, Maybe I don't know. I, I think I'm not sure they'd let you in right now. For the record, <laughs> that's a good point. Ouch. Hey, I. Yeah. All right. I don't really have a good. Uh, I don't have a good comeback for that. Um, good try. I, I think that. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, I think that my question also is like when when they're laying those breadcrumbs, right? How what's what's the responsibility of the media of like us hosting this podcast of Max writing for for Panthers.com? I know you obviously it's a little bit different. Yeah. Me writing for an outside source. What's our kind of responsibility to like to shape to help shape that mm-hmm. narrative? Because when you're, so I'm sure there is a certain way to get clicks to say, hey, what well, they drafted Will Greer and now is Cam's career about to end? Right. And how do you kind of like measure between? okay, well, this is not just what I think the news is going to be, but the way that I think that that the team kind of wants us to – Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I think the the objective that, you know, is, is always there, I think, is to try to educate the fan. I think yeah. that's the, the big thing. I mean, we want to excite the fan, and I think, you know, at, at times, you know, when you, when you draft a guy like Will Greer, this is a local Charlotte kid, mm-hmm. put together a great college career, you could very easily – put everything toward pumping him up um, and, you know, going over the top with the celebration of that pick. 
um, which, look, the kid deserves. I mean, it's a big moment. Yeah. Um, and so you don't want to take that away from him. But, yeah, I think in all of our minds, on that late night in the draft uh, media room, it was about trying to make sure that everyone was f- adequately educated on what this pick was about, mm-hmm. what it meant for the team now and in the future. Um, and so everybody was on the same page. And I think that's what all of us really tried to do. And, you know, you, you, we heard it from Marty and Ron and um, talking about, look, we saw what happened to this team last year when the quarterback situation became a mess, when Cam went down, Taylor Heineke dealing with his injury, then you're throwing in Kyle Allen, who produced an incredible performance. But I think it got the Panthers thinking, and Dave Tepper thinking especially too, and he, when he talked to the media after the season, he made it pretty clear. Uh, that's an area we have to invest in. The backup quarterback situation is one um, that we've just got to make sure we're covered yeah. in the event. And, you know, people look at – the Philadelphia Eagles have become the shining example of – your season doesn't have to end when your franchise quarterback goes down. Yeah. In fact, you can win a Super Bowl if you've got the right guy back there. And I know that's not, that comparison doesn't completely work for every team, and that's a special special case. But I think the point still stands. That backup quarterback is an important role on your team, one that the Panthers felt was worth investing a third-round pick. Yeah, Greer could theoretically have that big will energy, theoretically. <laughs> I, good. You that, were so proud of that. That pause of awkward the silence was pause. everything I wanted. That was everything. Literally, Colin had something to say and was I like, "I was waiting mm, for him to say something." I, I don't. I don't. I can't. Uh, can't yeah. follow that. Uh, I'm I, out. I understand. Put I, my put I, my headphones down. I understand. The Panthers clearly showed that they think that Will Greer has value by investing in a third round pick in him. However. At this point in time, is anybody at this table willing to say that he's going to play for 10 years in this league? And I'm not saying that you should be able to. I just don't think we know. I mean, no. there is no – he he is – we need to know he can be a backup quarterback in this league long before we worry about him replacing an MVP in Cam. And and, and hopefully we don't we don't get to that situation this year. But it, it on one hand, we're down on Greg Little. On the other hand, Will Greer has done squadoosh at this point. He couldn't – he can't to this point. And yet people are ready to be like, hmm – should I pencil him in over an uh, you know uh, the 2015 MVP? I mean that there's a leap on one side that we're you know it, it's crazy. I just I'm that's I not that's f- not happening though, is it? Am I missing something? Are people trying to say Will Greer should be playing quarterback instead of Cam Newton? Well, like I mean, you talk about like the the just the angle of bringing him in as a third rounder like right. is that disrespectful? Like yeah. as if he's the heir apparent. Like a third yeah. round pick to me is people, not an heir apparent. I think what people were most upset about was like, well, they could have used that pick on a safety. They could have used that pick on a different position group. We're investing in a pick that's – we're not going to see the dividends of that in 2019. We're going to have to wait a couple of years down the road. And, you know, if Cam gets hurt, I think a lot of people feel like, well, the season's over anyway. Who can, yeah. why, why are we investing a third-round pick in, in this area when we could invest in a position well, that could help us on the field right away? I think that's where the angst came from. Yeah, but I'll tell you, I think this year is the first year where, you, where it doesn't go down in flames without Cam. I mean, legitimately, this offense can run with Christian McCaffrey as the centerpiece and with those weapons around him. I mean, if, can't, if, if other people go down, you know, obviously. But I, I feel like for the first time, I, I feel like this offense is ready to be run by people other than Cam should that situation arise. And uh, Now, at the same time, I don't know that Will Greer's that guy. I don't know if that guy's on the roster. But as far as the other positions are, are concerned, I just think that we're, we're – we're, I don't know if it's because he's local or because he's a quarterback. I feel like there's a there's – a, a want to push Will Greer up, and when at this point we we still don't know if he's going to be yeah, with dude, his team. Look, w- Will's just got to still be Kyle yeah. Allen first. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kyle exactly. Allen's having a good camp, mm-hmm. and ever and look, you know, Will's getting his opportunities right now, and he was the guy in there when Cam took his off day in camp. He got a chance to run with the first team, but 
I'm not counting Kyle Allen out yet. No. Uh, I unfortunately don't. I, it's weird. I think they've just kind of punted on Taylor Heineke, unfortunately. He's kind of the odd there's Look, there's only situation. so many reps to go around, just, you know? It, I feel bad for the kid. He's yeah. never out there. Like, yeah. for the first five days of camp, he's getting, like, five, six reps a game. Is so his, arm, five, is his arm 100%? Everything he said he's 100%, so I think it's just a matter of there's just not enough reps to go around, and they'd rather yeah. see what they got in, in Will Greer and Kyle Allen. We saw what Kyle did last year in that final game, and yeah. I think that put him in a position to come in here, and he's getting the reps ahead of Taylor, and look, that's just how it's going to go. I mean, there's a, there's a depth chart. Yeah, I mean, people people are going to get caught. It's a business. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's a uh, just stinks. I like him. He likes Game of Thrones. He's a good kid. Yeah. Well, in terms of at the top of that depth chart, how good do you feel right now about Cam? This first week, how do you feel? Uh, I mean, I feel great, right? It's July 30th. What's today? 30th? Yeah, July July 30th. I think like, everybody, what's, what's everybody, uni- feel everybody universally feels great about Cam. Yeah. This, this, this has exceeded expectations. He's doing more than we thought he was going to be doing. He's having fun, throwing deep balls. Uh, I, I don't think this is – this is as good as we could have hoped for, I yeah. think. Are you surprised? That he's – that yes. I, I think I like it. I, I, what, are you uh, most, I, again, what aspect of you most surprised by? I'm, yeah. I'm surprised that they that they let him out full bore on for, on the first day. I thought, I, like, again, just like we said, the way that they were talking, it seemed like they were just – it was going to come in, come along slowly. And then when they Wrath of Condus, I was really surprised. Is that a term? Uh, I was really just surprised on the first night. When yeah. he went deep, I think – the entire sideline, kind of like all of the reporters on the sideline, were like, "What just happened? Did yeah. he just do that?" Um, and it was, uh, you know, it's a pleasant surprise. And I, am I cautiously optimistic for the season? Of course I am. I mean, this to me, the deep ball, the the fact that he can throw it forty five yards is not that impressive. The fact that he is actually hitting these guys in stride like he was doing in two thousand fifteen, two thousand sixteen, before the first shoulder surgery, because the first shoulder surgery, I think. I don't think he had, was right for all of 2018. And yeah, I, like we I, didn't like, see very many deep balls in camp. You know, the the, the last you know last. I only summer. remember one. Yeah, you know that, so, he, that he completed. Right, and so that was a big thing for me to see him do it right out of the gate in mm-hmm. this camp. It was like, man, I just haven't seen him do this down here in a while. Yeah, I think it's not just important for the media and for for the fans. I think it's important for the other guys on the roster to see it. Yeah, yeah. to see that, that that guy is back. And for him, and for too. him, yeah, yeah. Right, cause, look, because if we're being honest. If the, the guys in that locker room know that their their chance to compete for a Super Bowl rests on him, yeah, you know, and so if they see him out there doing these kind of things, I think that gives everybody in that room a belief that, okay, we we, we might have something here. And it sets a tone from day one of no camp. Doubt. You know, no you're doubt. not waiting like everyone's like ready no, to go no now. Yeah, yeah there's they, no they, questions. Yeah. There's no hesitations. And even on his day off when he was when he was resting, mm-hmm. he was still throwing. And yeah. I, I he was throwing on the side of the on the on the other field, and like it wasn't like. It wasn't like last year when he was not throwing during, on Wednesdays and Thursdays and he was out there waving the sock around. Yeah. And it's like, he, you know, even on the day when they were having him rest, he was still keeping that arm loose, throwing the ball, and throwing deep too. It wasn't like mm-hmm. he was just tossing back and forth to Scott Turner. So I, I think right now, again, throw the parade. Plan it. Yeah. February 8th, right down Mint Street, right? Perfect. Yep. Love it. By the confetti. I, I thought it, you said something really interesting. Is this the first – I mean, it <laughs> – End of sentence. Uh, <laughs> and this is the first the first year in Cam Newton's life that he is not the centerpiece of the offense, right? Like, I mean, it, I mean, it's certainly the first one of his career, NFL career, but high school, well, college, Glenn, yeah, Auburn. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's it's that's a centerpiece, I guess. Maybe right. not the right word. Like a quarter, you know, the quarterback's well, always going sure. to be. I get. I see what you're saying. 
And it, Auburn it, it, did have Cameron Artis Payne. Oh, <laughs> they didn't play together though. Did they get a, did they get an honest look at <laughs> different, different teams? Yeah. <laughs> um, Is Charles Barkley on that team too. He went to Auburn, right? It's a good pull. Chuck, yeah, 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 definitely. He's a big Auburn fan. Um, yeah, I see what you're saying, but I still, you know, it's st- it's still Cam, and as North Turner pointed out. Well, he may say all the right things now about how I can be much more of a distributor. I don't have to be Superman. We've heard that from him before. He said it every year. And as Norv has, as Norv said so eloquently, yeah. I love Norv Turner. We all love Norv Turner. <laughs> but he was like, well, let's wait till third and goal from the four and Cam takes off and tries to jump over five people. Yeah. And we know that that's probably going to happen. Yeah, so I, I don't necessarily buy into this whole thing of uh, this is a new Cam and a new philosophy on offense. I think Cam Newton is going to be Cam Newton until he can't do it anymore, yeah. honestly. I, I was really sad that you didn't bust out a North Turner impression. I thought it was coming. You like I took a breath before oh, you. That you're been like, amazing. and then North said, <laughs> <laughs> "You wait until what Cam Newton is gonna do." So. And I think, look, and I think he can take <laughs> steps. I think he can tone a little bit of the improvisation and putting himself in danger back a little bit. He can throw it out of bounds a little more. He can slide. You know, and that's we've seen him take some steps in that area. But I just think we, we when the game's on the line, when it's a crucial third and down, when they're in the red zone and they got to score, you know, Cam's going to be Cam. Yeah, especially in the, especially in the red zone. But at the same time, it's good to see him. You know, when you're on like the 35 yard line, on your own 35 yard line, and it's third and one, not going well. I gotta gotta take this one. Yeah. You know, hopefully it's either McCaffrey or he's Holy clearly or he's or, embraced know. the check down, which he's is something that was a huge step. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he's it's finally gone through to him that if I just get the ball out of my hands quickly to either DJ Curtis or Christian, these guys can make something happen. It's not on me to make every big play, and I think that was a huge step for him, and hopefully we continue to see that grow in this guy as his career evolves. You've, you've seen a lot of training camps, Max. Seven. No, Seven mama. Panthers training camps. The, yeah. the old Kyle Allen yeah. training camps. Uh, uh, do you feel like there are more short and like crossing routes this year than in years past? Because to me, just from last year, I feel like the number has gone up. I feel like it's just – it, like obviously they're gonna go. They've gone deep a couple times, but mm-hmm. usually when they're running these team drills, I'm, I don't feel like I'm really uh, s- telling secrets to say that yeah. they're throwing a lot of like Curtis Samuel five, like just yeah. cutting right across the middle. It's interesting. I heard you know I was kind of eavesdropping on Greg Olson the other day. That's the best thing to do at training camp, honestly. Is on the sidelines just like listen in on some of the guys' conversations. Sure. I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this. But he was talking to um, Jake Peets, the running backs coach, and, and Peets was just kind of asking him about the offenses that he's been in. And he pointed out to him that in the early, early in his career when he was in Chicago, it was with Mike Martz. That doesn't really apply here. But Chud, Shula, and now Norv, the system's been the same. It's been essentially the same scheme. There's been some minor tweaks here and there. So to your question about whether or not we're seeing more crossing rounds, I think they've always been there. I think the, the playbook has always been pretty much the same. I think the difference is the quarterback is now throwing them a lot more. So I think in years past where you saw him, like he always sort of would, get kind of wide-eyed for the deep ball and want to take those shots, he is practicing what the coaches have been preaching, and that's to take some more of those checkdowns. And if you're going to do that in the game, you got to practice it. So I think we just, we're seeing that become a bigger part of his daily practice routine and down in camp. That's something that they work, as opposed to maybe it, it, all, it being there before, but him having eyes for what was downfield. You mentioned Greg Olson. Just a quick aside. Do you know what level he's on on Candy Crush now? I don't, okay. but I'm sure. sure he would be happy to tell me. 
I don't think there's, don't think there's anything he'd like more than getting a question about how <laughs> level he is on Candy Crush. The the video that you guys just put out of like the camp confidential of him talking to Luke about the jersey, yeah. what matches the best, and mm-hmm. that's, I mean just anything he's that he wants. Like I just every time that I see him talking to anybody, it's just funny. Like he's, he's just a funny guy. He is. He's going to absolutely. He's going. He's like Tony Romo, but like you're. Just two years before he actually. I retires. wonder though what kind of Greg we would see in the like the this Greg is a different Greg than the one you're talking about. You know, like w- like when he's like all polished for like NFL Network and mm. stuff. Like he's he's an excellent broadcast analyst, like analyst. Like yeah. he's phenomenal. But like the one of like the side conversations with the guys at training camp is like this other Greg that's like the the real funny one that yeah. I don't I don't I would hope he finds a way to blend the two in his next career. Yeah, let's hope so. I mean, he was great on, like, he did that Rich Eisen call-in, was great. He was on Pardon My Take and was terrific. Like, he's 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 a he's funny guy, so I hope that yeah. he allows himself to show some of that personality right. uh, without cursing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, he'll definitely be better than Jason Witten. Yeah, well, you can't argue with that. <laughs> That's not hard to do either. Yeah, right? it's true. he's we back in the out. NFL, though, baby. <laughs> can't believe back. they chased him out of the booth and back into the That's NFL. Amazing. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So, Lord. Mac- so, what about defense? Are we talking defense in this show or what? Nope, not nope. at all. Not no, at all. Doesn't matter. We're all about scoring points. Scoring points, baby. How Write it down. You had a question, right? Go. Oh, I was just going to ask, Max, you, you know, this is your seventh training camp. I'm, I'm curious, is you have a different perspective, rep- you know, representing the team. How how has that position for you kind of mm-hmm. evolved over over that time? Man, I mean, the, our department itself has grown, I mean, exponentially since when I first started. And I think that's the biggest thing, Ma- mainly in the videos that you're seeing come out from and, and what Josh is alluding to, Camp Confidential. Now there's a mini series off Camp Confidential. I mean, as, as much behind the scenes video content as we can give fans. I think that's been the biggest thing from a writing and reporting and, um, you know, daily news standpoint. I think we've always just continued to try to push the envelope and be as aggressive as possible. The goal for us as a team website has always been to have credibility. Um, It's hard. I think people are always going to sort of look at you as a cheerleader, no matter how hard you try not to be, just because it's Panthers.com. It's the official website of the team. Um, but it's always been my objective to try to just tell you how I see it. Um, and some people take it for what it is. Others may not, you know, want to hear a word I have to say because of where the check comes from and that's fine. Um, but that's, that's the way we look at it and try to do it. Has, has it made it more difficult? Like with the, as far as relationships with the players as you've done, gotten into video and things like that? Well, I think the guy, well, one, the guys, they love it when it's done well. You know, I think the guys want to see themselves look good and whether it's our <laughs> photos or videos they're into it you know so if you're doing it right the guys have an investment in it and they want to participate which has been great um when it comes to you know stuff we're writing i mean I, i'd be lying if i said i net my phone never rang with somebody who was a little upset with something i had written um and that's part of it you know that's it they're not going to win every game and as we've seen in some seasons recently sometimes they're going to win a bunch in a row and sometimes they're going to lose a bunch in a row um and so we are going to be riding that roller coaster right along with the players, but it doesn't mean the stories stop coming if they lose five. You know, that's 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 part of it, um, and that's that's what we're here to do is tell the team story every single day, regardless of the outcome. So, what was that call from Mr. Tepper like? <laughs> <laughs> Not from Dave, because you know what you know how Dave, oh. you know how Dave's mindset is is Dave loves the truth, and if you try to BS that man, he's not going to take it. Uh, he wants to hear. The truth and that's I think that's the one thing I think we all appreciate about him is that guy's direct and he's not 
going to beat around the bush, whether it's with the media mm -hmm. or the people close to him. Uh, you're going to get it straight from Dave Tepper, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I know that there was he he was unhappy with a couple articles that came out, not not from either one of us, yeah. but uh, from another Panthers writer, and he made it pretty clear that he was unhappy with He'll that guy. Yeah, yeah, told him right to his face. You could no. no I'm names. not saying anything. No it's names. Fine. No names. No names. Uh, Max wants to talk defense. So yeah, what do you guys got on defense? Well, what's happening at safety? Do we have a battle going on here? Good question. Uh, you just wrote an article. You just talked to Ross about it, right? Yeah, we had an article on the website about Ross. Um, it, was the, it was the other day where I noticed, I was like, oh, Ross is playing safety. Mm -hmm. This is new. Um, and, yeah, look, clearly the, the Panthers are trying to figure out what the situation is there. Rashawn Golden has been getting a lot of reps with the first team, third-round pick a couple of years ago. But he's competing for that job. It's by no means being handed to him. As Ron told the media afterwards, they want to have somebody back there who can make plays in the ball. And I think that's the thing we haven't seen a lot of in camp. We haven't seen a lot of picks. Mm -mm. And they want more takeaways. And they've got to get their hands on the football more. Um, and so here's a move made to try to make that happen. They like Ross's ball skills. He hasn't played safety since college. Uh, but he's got that kind of skill set, and they're going to see how it goes. It's tough when your your number one cornerback is not really a big interception guy. Not a ball hawk. Yep. Uh, at your best safety, he's had four interceptions once, and that was when he was a rookie. Yep. Other than that, no, never three had a year with none. Like I wouldn't say Eric yep. Reed is a big ball hawk. And Dante Jackson, obviously, we know what he can do when he gets around the ball, but you look at he had four interceptions the first eight games and none the rest of the year. Yep. So it's like – then it's like, okay, well, were those four kind of luck of the draw? They didn't seem like it when he was making the plays, but it, the it makes sense that they do want the, if the if the big investment is in their pass rush, right, mm -hmm. to get to the quarterback, get the quarterback off his spot, make him make mistakes. If he's going to make a mistake, you need somebody to yeah. be able to actually if, capitalize. If the, the ball is going to be up for grabs, who's going to grab it? You know? Yeah, and so that's what I think they're trying to determine right now. Um, and in addition to that, when you're playing the safety position, you've got to you've got to know what you're doing because you're the last line of defense. So there's a lot that's put on that spot. Um, and Rashawn, as a young guy, is still kind of learning and growing. So that that position right now, I think, is very much, you know, open. Uh, and you know, I, I I don't think we have a clear answer yet. Not not really even close. Did you ask a, a Ross Cocker about his beard? <laughs> I have not talked to Ross about his beard. It's weird. it was mainly it's about his horrific injury that was the year anniversary mm. of which that, was getting I guess, many of the questions how does hard, the beard not come up yeah in that? hard, so to, hard beard, to just transition straight <laughs> into like beard, why are your beard so weird yeah <laughs> the beard didn't really make its way into the conversation Maybe there next time. uh but yeah everybody's rooting for this guy I yeah. mean, with what he went through last year and how difficult that was to watch uh just to see him back out there running around is a great thing well it's funny somebody i saw somebody on a some article that I was reading referred to Cockrell as like a journeyman. And I mm -hmm. didn't really realize, I just had pictured him as, as the giants corner, but he was in Buffalo and Pittsburgh before yeah. that. So he has been with some other teams. So uh, I, I think, you know, obviously you're rooting for him. And I, I think that he has a real talent. So I do think that he could add to this secondary. It's just a matter of whether it's going to be as a, as the bet, the top backup at outside corner, whether it's mm -hmm. going to be at safety, whether he's going to rotate through, um, I, I think he is going to make a difference because they had big plans for him last year. And yeah, so he I think snapped his leg in yeah, two places. Yeah, horrifically. I think oh. I think he's on the trajectory of being a contributor for sure until yeah. that happens. So, um, yeah, look, they brought him in for a reason. They like what he brings to the table. If he can prove that he's fully recovered and 
he can be that impact player back there. Yeah, there are opportunities there for him to step into that role for sure. I really think that – I can't talk today. I really think that the uh, that interceptions are going to have to be a product of the pass rush. I mean, they've never put an emphasis on 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 safeties, on playmaking safeties to the degree that um, some of us in the fan base would want. I mean, even Eric Reed was 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 a month-end pickup, you know, last year. I mean, they, and, they, and, yeah, he's more of an in-the-box physical type safety, to your point. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, you know, you invest in Burns, you get McCoy, you get Bruce Irvin. To me, the front seven is going to be who's generating – uh, you know those balls that are that, that are the jump balls that mm-hmm. that you can go up and um, get. It's it's more about those guys up front. And will how good is this pass rush going to be? I think that's that's the biggest question. You look at you know we've talked about Mario Addison. What's his future in this in this defense? He was you know the the sack leader the last three seasons, not just last year. Um, and also you lost Julius Peppers, who was second on the team with five sacks last year. So yeah. those numbers are going to have to come from somewhere. And I think for the for the back um, the, the you know, the secondary to have a successful season and creating yeah. those turnovers, it's going to be because that pass rush is getting home. Pass rush has got to be miles better than it was last year. If, yeah. If the, for the defense to do what it wants to, um, it, last year it just it just it wasn't good enough. Uh, they, they weren't winning enough one-on-one um, as Colin, you know, collects himself. I feel um, like he just, yeah, he may have lost a lung. <laughs> he's crazy. back. He's okay. And he's back. Um, way it? to cover how for the me, dulcet- guys. I really appreciate that. You know, I slipped. But fortunately, there was a safety behind me there to protect me <laughs> as the last line of defense. There you go. What great teammates. Uh, but um, You're welcome. I showered today. <laughs> uh, what was I saying? Yeah, to finish the point of the pass rush, I think um, the, the, the key to them having success on defense is going to be counting on that unit to not just be improved, but much much improved i think last they they had they had always been a top 10 pass rushing defense and last year they were near the bottom of the league and for ron rivera eric washington that they're they're just not accustomed to that so they've clearly made an effort this offseason to bring in the type of athletes to help get home uh talked to bruce urban the other day and he said this is kind of feeling like that seattle defense mm-hmm. that he was on for a few years um and that is i think what they want i mean they want a defense that's going to be relentlessly getting after the quarterback and for this defense to be good, I think that's that's essential. That they need that to happen. You talk about the the, the pass rush. Have you talked with with Luke, the on field commander, about this three four defense and what he kind of ex- expects or what what his how his role might be different? Yeah, I think everybody was very curious if it, anything was going to really change for him. And of course, it is a little bit. The scheme itself has gone from a four three to a three four. There's not quite as many big bodies in front of him. Is he going to have to take on more blockers? This, that, and the other. Shaq Thompson is now also an inside linebacker. How are the two of them going to work together? Um, If you know Luke, you know that he will be very polite and he will be happy to answer all your questions, but he is not going to get into any of the details of his work and what makes him successful or not successful. Um, I just know this. Luke is the best linebacker in football, and he's going to be the best linebacker in football, whether he's in the 4-3 or or 3-4. He he will find a way to be very, very productive. There was a scene in All or Nothing, and and since it's a factual documentary, we can glean everything from those episodes. Um, When they were talking about – Was there some sarcasm in that? (laughs) When they were were talking about getting – there's a scene where where TD was upset about the play call not getting in quickly. Mm-hmm. I feel like Luke in this type – I'm, I'm excited to see Luke as this on-field commander with these uh, – surrounded by his weapons and being the guy that gets the call, and he gets to be the one that's firing off who's blitzing. Like, yeah. To me, that sounds like a recipe for success. I, I completely agree with you. I think the for me, 
so much about what this team is going to be able to do is who is going to be single team, single matched up with a blocker. Mm -hmm. And there is going to be, there are going to be huge mismatches all over the place because you're going to have, you have these three guys, McCoy, Poe and short. One of those guys is going to demand a double team. You probably should be double teaming two of them, but at least one. So it's like, okay, so who are you going to not, are you not going to double team KK short? Who's had, the like third most sacks in the last three years. Are you not going to double team Gerald McCoy? Who's had six sacks uh, every year of his career, or are you going to leave Dontari Poe alone at 350 pounds in the middle of the line? Or are you going to send a double team at one of these guys? And then you have Poe short and whoever is blitzing. So, or, rushing. So whether mm-hmm. it's Addison, whether it's Burns, whether it's Keekley, whether it's Thompson, whether it's one of these guys, whether it's Eric Reed, Rashawn Galden, one of these guys is going to have like be single matched up. Brian Burns is going to get matched up with like a running back sometimes. And those he's going to win those matchups. Yeah. And that, that to me is where the games are going to be won and lost is in those one-on-one matchups uh, on, on defense. Yeah. Look, I, I think in obvious passing situations, this team is built to get after the quarterback. Can they stop the run to get themselves in those situations? And when quarterbacks are going to use quick game, which we know is coming, and the entire league is using at this point, and especially if you're going against a defense that's got this type of pass rush potential, are they going to be able to tackle in the secondary? Is that coverage going to hold up well enough when the pass rush is negated by a guy like Drew Brees, who that ball is coming out like that? Mm-hmm. You know, So, yeah, it's fine. They've got all these athletes who can rush the passer. What can they do if the ball is out of their hands within a few seconds? I think that's what this defense has. That's the question this defense has to answer. And you, you mentioned that they ranked 27th in the NFL last year in sacks with yep. just 35 sacks. But, you know, the, the second half of the season was what it was last year with Cam's injury, and, and, and they, they did have some, you know, blown leads in the second half. But if you look at the numbers, it's a little bit deceiving just in the sense of if they picked up eight more sacks, so half a sack a game, they're, they're right there knocking the door of the top ten. So it's not like they're 27th and they're miles behind everybody else. And, and they've made additions. They've, they, they have brought these guys in. Uh, so I, I think they can and certainly I think get the additions they've made tell you everything you need to know about how they felt about the pass rush last year. Yep. It was clearly not good enough, so they've made moves to address it. Right. And so the numbers, are, and I think to your point, I think a lot of people might look at maybe put too much stock in them. The moves tell you everything you need to know. Yeah, and with that's what why they you, did. Can, you can sit there and you know wonder about Golden and yeah, they in, invested a mid round pick in him and who's going to be playing the safety. But ultimately, the guys that they went out and got, the guys that they said that they needed were in the front seven. And that's mm-hmm. going to be this, the story of the defense, as it has been for most years with the Carolina yeah. Panthers. Well, it's like these roster moves come in waves, right? So they, they, they went after weapons on offense for so long, two, three years in a row, Samuel, Moore, McCaffrey. This year they said, okay, what needs to get better? Offensive line. So they go out, they get Matt Paradis. They go out, they re-sign Daryl Williams. They go out, they, sign, they draft Greg Little. Mm-hmm. What has to get better on defense? we got to get that pass rush up. So they go out and they draft Brian Burns. They go out, they draft Christian Miller. They sign uh, they sign Bruce Irvin. And for me, the bigger money, the bigger telling point is that they changed their defense. Yeah. Ron Rivera said, we are not getting a pass rush with this 4-3, and too many teams know what's coming. We have to change. Let's throw it all out, and let's re- revamp the whole thing, and let's get some pressure on the quarterback. And that's what they—that's what they did, and that's what they're hoping for. And uh, to me, it's like if they can't get—if you can't get pressure on the quarterback with with this much talent, mm-hmm. and you can't get pressure on the quarterback with a new scheme, then uh, you know maybe it's time to kind of look a little bit further down the road. I think it's time for a break. When we come back, more training camp. 
Hey there, Keith here from the Roaring Riot Podcast. We are kicking off the 2019 season with all the hype surrounding Panthers training camp and the position battles that we are looking forward to seeing. And we attempt to preview the preseason matchup between the Panthers and the Bears to the extent that you can preview a preseason game. We remember the original Panthers superfan, Greg Catman Good, who passed away in early July. There's a lot more, so please join us for the Roaring Riot Podcast, part of the Riot Network. And back with more training camp. You know, it's funny, we used to have to open the show in season one with the O-line party chat every show. We might. <laughs> when hey, Dennis Daly is starting so at right tackle in week three, <laughs> we'll be having a party chat every week about the offensive line. I'm excited. Line. We are two two episodes into season two, and we haven't had to open with it. So what's happening? Do we know where Chris Clark is right now, though, just in case? <laughs> He's always on standby. Waiting yeah. for that call. Yeah. He's just hanging out in Spartanburg at a hotel waiting. <laughs> waiting for his phone to ring, probably. What's happening? We have talked about Greg Little a little bit earlier in the show. What's happening there? Uh, I mean, we're just going to have to wait and see. I think they're just battling. That's the thing. Same thing for Rashawn Golden and Ross Cockrell. Same thing for, like, the backup running back. Same thing for Will Greer versus Kyle Allen. Like, these things are not decided right now. Mm -hmm. And it's like you can say, well, I think Darrell Williams is winning the left tackle battle. But, like, that kind of stuff flips real fast. And so I I think Darrell Williams is winning the left tackle battle. But that kind of stuff flips real fast. I mean, should people – kind of expect maybe these battles might not even be decided until week one. Yeah. I, I mean, I think uh, it would be fair to assess that it, in the fourth week of the preseason, we may not know who is starting. I, I would I would hope that we do, but I wouldn't guarantee it. I would think left tackle you probably do, but I think free safety might be up in the air for a while. GVR going hard. God, I love GVR. Right? Ben Rowan's great. Uh, you, so you mentioned Luke Keekley and like he would never give you like specific things mm-hmm. about. So I asked – I was writing this story about double teaming uh, yeah. guys, and I, I asked Greg Van Roten, like, okay, so like when you get up to the line, how do you break down who you're going to double team? And he was like, all right, cool. So yep. it all depends yeah. on where the mic is. And so if the yep. mic's here and then I'm going to the right, and he literally talked for three minutes straight that went completely over my head. And then he was right. like, I don't want to give away any secrets. And I was like, well, you didn't because yeah. I don't – I didn't understand. <laughs> yeah. what, I didn't understand you what you football, said. Apparently. Yeah. I have no idea what and you just said. It's like you, so much of us – so much of the time we think to ourselves, like they go out there and they block the dude that's in front of them. And then, mm-hmm. ah, they got pancaked. And it's like there's so much more that goes into being an offensive lineman. And it's it so takes hard. so much – so much brain power it's to so do hard. it. Yeah, it's, I honestly don't know how they do it. Because – and you got to think about this too. Like – they're rotating defensive linemen constantly. Mm-hmm. These guys are out there every snap. So yep. think about, like, the mental fatigue, the physical fatigue. You've got to dissect all the moving parts. You just talked about how Ron is moving this thing to a 3-4. These defenses are becoming more and more multiple. Guys are standing up, got their hand in the dirt, dropping into coverage, blitzing from all over. As an offensive lineman, you've got so much you've got to figure out, even before the snap, the ball is snapped. And then on top of it, oh, yeah, now you've got to – Try to keep yourself in front of a 315-pound man who can probably bench, you know. A million. It's, it's, it's crazy to think about, honestly. Jordan Gross always put it best when he talks about offensive line play, spe- specifically protecting the passer. He says, you just have to lose slowly. And that's the job of an offensive lineman. It's just You just got to try to stay there as long as you can. Eventually, you're going to lose out. Um, but I've got nothing but respect for the guys who do that because it is a thankless, thankless job. And they have such long – like sometimes these drives last for like 13, 14 drives. Yeah. 13, 13, 14 yep. plays. Yep. And it's like 
when it's something insane. when something good happens, it's never because of the offensive line. No, you know when something bad happens, a lot of times it is. You know, it's that's just that's just what it's like being an offensive lineman in this level. But I'm looking at your list here. I see Matt Paradis's name. I think it's been another underrated, fantastic development. Matt's been out there, mm-hmm. looks great, coming yep. off his season-ending knee injury last year or leg injury last year, and I think he's he's a top-flight center in this league with he's healthy. And your next bullet point is really interesting. <laughs> is this the best right side of the line in the history of the Panthers? I don't which I think, think that is, you're supposed to be looking over you sent me the notes. You sent me the don't notes. Don't pull back the curtain, Max. This <laughs> is a free-flowing conversation that nobody knows th- what we're going to talk about next. I l- it might be Mexican food. <laughs> it might be the offensive line. It might be the Wrath of Khan. I, really I did like, not have that anecdote written down. I really like that bullet point, though. I think it's a very interesting question. I... I I, so Colin is kind of our, our history expert here. To me, it's it's right up there, and I think that might be a little bit fast to say with a guy like Taylor Moten, who's in his third year, second year as a starter. But I think mm-hmm. when you look at when you look at what Trey brings to the Trey's table, Trey's the best guard in the team in team history. Yeah, well, Kevin Donnelly, uh, co-host of the Carolina Line, right here on the Right Network. Coming your way I hope next he week. doesn't listen. He does. I was gonna. Well, I, I, it's funny. I was gonna mention Gross at the right tackle, his mm-hmm. rookie year, and, yep. and Donnelly, who apparently you don't you don't really respect his game very much. Whoa! I didn't. I, it's not that I don't okay. respect his game, <laughs> Kevin. If you're listening, you're fantastic at right guard. But the reality is, is Trey is just Trey's just really yeah. good. Yeah, I mean, Trey's gone to four Pro Bowls. I mean, there's just he's got he's put together quite a resume, and he's still got a bunch of years left in him. I don't know. I yeah, I think Taylor Moten. It, the jury's still out. One really, really good year. We're going to need to see more, but I think certainly the potential is there for those two to put together a rock-solid offensive right side of the offensive line. And when you look at it, when this team has been successful, a lot of times that right tackle position has kind of been that kind of loose, mm. uh, loose guy on the end. That um, I know, like you know, was David Garrido, Nor- Nor- Norberto mm. Davis Garrido. Yeah. You know, back when he was a rookie going. Um, you know, we talked about Gross, uh, Remmers. Like, uh, that right side of the line, even when this team has been really good, has, has not always been yeah. uh, locked up, so to speak. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's uh, it's not it's not easy to play offensive line in this league. And I like to put together two guys that can be – that can anchor your side of the line for so long. I mean, they've been – the Panthers have been lucky enough to have guys like Jordan Gross that played his whole career mm-hmm. here, Ryan Khalil that played his whole career here. That's not as often as we would like to think. So, I – I mean, sure. Are they better than Jeff Ota and Kadrick Vincent in 2009? Probably. That's the first one that I just saw. Tuton Reyes and Matt Willig. Like these, these are the these are the the right Tremendous side of the line. Actor, yep. Matt Willig. <laughs> <laughs> Greg Skrepinak. I mean, uh, Skrepinak. He was pretty good. Uh, I, like the crazy part is like some of these guards from the past. I don't even remember. Do you remember Corbin Lacina? Oof, that's, that's yeah, that one's. I mean, if you could stump right Colin, I mm. feel like we should do like stump. Yeah, Colin, that's, that would like, be a good stump. Segment. The Schwab. Did yeah. you guys ever watch that on of ESPN? Of course. Yeah, that was a great show. Was. You could ask me random '90s offensive <laughs> lineman. Do you remember? <laughs> no. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Stumped. What a what a great segment. We'll do that thing like FNZ did with Tony. Well, we'll put fake people on the list and see. <laughs> yeah. If you know who's real and who's not. And then we'll ask uh, Nikki who wears number fifty. I'm not good with numbers. <laughs> You know, I'm not wh- good with the numbers. While we're talking about content, Max, I, I I really feel like one way we could help the offensive line is if you if you showed plays where they were stopping the defensive lineman and then you just hit him with like a stone, mm. like right on the on yeah. the video. Stone I feel wild. like it would really sell. You know, yeah. when nothing happens in the video. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's true. Well, that's the thing is you're you're absolutely right. It's just like 
Nobody. The, you should the, write that down. The I, clips yeah. of. Uh, it's, it's, I'm it's noting. It. I'm <laughs> noting it. The clips of. Um, the clips of Greg Little winning a rep against Brian Burns is like great. I'm I'm all yeah. set on watching that. Like right. they're right. they're like nobody wants to see a quality block. Yeah. It just isn't something that you want to see. So it's yeah. They're they when they lose they cost the team the game and when they win they the team may still lose. I mean. Yeah. The offensive line, for as injured as it was and for all the, like, negative things that it got, like, negative talk that it got, they were still, what, fourth in the league in rushing? Number They're, one in yards per rush. Yeah. I like, mean, yeah. They and, did some good things. And the they didn't allow that many – they didn't allow that many sacks. They were kind of middle of the pack in terms of sacks, maybe even on the kind of lower yeah. end. So, it's – everybody kind of says, well, like, ah, Chris Clark – come on, Chris Clark. Yeah. And, like, ah, Greg Van Roten. And it's like, just these guys had a, an okay season. I think that – Max, you kind of said it best when you were talking to when you had your article from North Turner that like the, it wasn't necessarily that like the whole season fell apart and then they couldn't yeah. do anything. They just lost games that they should have won yeah. that were close games. We were talking about it at the end of last year too. Yeah, I mean nobody other than, nobody other than Pittsburgh in the league had more uh, fourth quarter blown leads than the Carolina Panthers they had three, and, yeah. and they were like weeks twelve, fourteen, and fifteen. So yeah. like right down the stretch um, when you know Cam's all you know arm was 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 dodgy and. They were still right there. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I mean. That's really why I'm optimistic. We're talking about a little bit of improvement in the sacks. They made they made some you know efforts there. Like there's a lot of pieces here that I feel really good about. Mm-hmm. And so I, that's why I'm bullish right now. Yeah, I, I I'm also very bullish. I think there are still some things they need to work out. But it, at this point in the season, when you're talking about or in the preseason training camp, when you're talking about like nickel corner is a big battle. Uh, and, like, backup running back is a big battle. Like, right. these are not things there. Uh, like, obviously, safety is a huge, not issue, but it's a it's a huge question mark. But to me, I, I think they're, it seems like, and maybe I'm wrong in this, but it seems like with this switch to a 3-4, they're kind of, they're not going to lean on the nickel back as much as they have in the past. Because last year, Captain Munnerl was out there for, like, 65% of the snaps. I don't think that's going to be the case with whether it's Cole, Luke, or Corn Elder. And, of course, I could be wrong. I mean, there we'll, yeah. we'll see how it goes. Uh, well, the thing is, a lot that a lot of times that's that gets dictated by what the offense throws out mm-hmm. there too. Um, and I think there, I think teams are going to try to put him in nickel because of this very thing. Um, yeah. Because well, let's test Corn Elder, let's test Cole Luke, whoever it is that's going to be. If it's Rashawn Golden who's playing some big nickel, if I'm an opposing offense, I want to test those guys. Yeah. And you have to know, especially in this division with Sean Payton and how the Saints do things, they find a weakness and they will target it. Snap after snap after snap until you prove you can stop it. So I think, yeah, that's what this Panthers defense has got to be ready to combat um, because they've got obvious strengths, but they've got to make sure that they can address their weaknesses in a way where it doesn't hold them back. Do you think a guy like Cole Luke can can make it in the NFL? Like I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by Cole Luke. I mean, Me too. Um, I, look, we saw a little bit of corn last year, and it was not great in moments. The Seattle game is going to stick with him for a while until sure. he gets back out there in a big moment and makes a play. I mean, uh, unfortunately, that's just kind of what people think of Corn Elder right now. And um, I think he's got tools. I think Cole Luke has got tools. Until we see it in a game situation, I don't know what to make of these guys. So yeah. I'm just just being honest. I, I can't really tell you. And um, – that's kind of the beauty of it is when the lights come on, so to speak, you'll find out. Um, when you turn on the Bruce Springsteen yeah. and the lights come on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, Max, you, you and Josh are both, you know, go down to camp. I'm, we've, we've talked about a lot of young guys having their, um, you know, getting their lumps and whatever. Are, are there some young guys that, that look the part to you right now? Thank you. Oh, man. Well, 
I mean, Brian Burns looks every bit the yeah. dynamic pass rusher that he was billed to be. I mean, I, I don't know that he'll be ready for a three-down role as a rookie, but he's an obvious early impact guy when they need to rush the passer for sure. Um, I've been really – I'm sorry. I don't go want to ahead. cut you yeah. off, but I, I've been really impressed with both of the rookie running backs. I think that yeah. both of yeah. them have looked uh, – I think we all had questions about, you know, kind of their – their pass catching and their route running. And mm-hmm. you watch them kind of running these drills. And obviously they're taking a lot of coaching from Jake Peets and they're, they're kind of, they're asking questions, but I, I was really just impressed with those kind of standard dig routes that, uh, that you see McCaffrey run those sevens. Yeah. Uh, and they, they look the part thus far, especially, you know, I think Holyfield, they, they may have just kind of gotten a, a steal there that, that 40, that, slow 40 time mm-hmm. may have really just dropped him into their into their lap because I, I just like the way that he cuts to be honest and I know this isn't a great comparison it kind of reminds me of Cameron Artis Payne the way that he like he does those quick jump cuts and then he's just through the hole and he's gone and if he can be a better pass protector than Cap is and maybe a better option out of the backfield then I think mm-hmm. that he could really do some things in the NFL I think the the problem with Cap was never running the ball running the ball Cap knows how to do it's kind of some of the other stuff um, have I, I think limited his role? Yeah, and the fact that it's hard to get snaps when you're playing behind Christian McCaffrey. Sure. Um, and that's the thing for these running backs is another I'll believe it when I see a deal when it comes to somebody actually, quote unquote, complimenting Christian. Um, North came out and said it. He was like, he's not. We're not concerned. With yeah. How, yeah. I like I've that, given that, I give a running back way more touches right. than that. And it yeah. was like, what? That's your yeah. answer? Well, do you think do you think that story's coming back? Because I think, I mean, we talked about it, you know, last week again about how you thought that McCaffrey's usage will rise because they eased him in last year. I, I, I'm curious to see if this becomes a storyline again because I I think they were pretty smart with his with his usage, and I don't really worry about him getting an increased workload from where it was. I mean, if you start crossing, you know, 350 and stuff like that, those those are the numbers where you. I think you probably start impacting guys' careers. Yeah, I mean, I think the snap count is going to be around the same as it was last year, yeah, and I, they're going to continue to say and point out that it's not like he's getting 35 carries a game. Yeah, he's out there all the time, but a lot of it is when the ball is not going his way. He's got so much value as just a presence on the field that I think it's too much It's too much value there to, to remove from the lineup, and I, I think he's going to continue – and it, I think to, uh, to your question, I think it will be a story again. I think once again, it's going to be, hey, there was talk about trying to like take some of the load off of him, and here he is four weeks of the season playing 95% of the snaps. What's the deal here? Um, so, I, yeah, I just I just think he's too good a player. I think I they, they just got to have him out there. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that sometimes you have to – we didn't listen to them last year when they were like, Christian McCaffrey's going to get 25 to 30 touches a year. He's going to be on the field all the time, mm-hmm. except for Colin. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. And so I think – yeah, we can like Evander Holyfield. I know I said it. It's Elijah Holyfield. <laughs> the or, champ. Yeah. The um, champ. We can like Elijah Holyfield. We can like Jordan Scarlett. They can make the roster. Yeah. And, just and ask just Cameron Artis Payne what it's been like to try to get some snaps for the last five yeah. years. I mean, and they've liked him a time. He's had good preseasons, and they're, yeah. it, but it's it's been hard to, to find his way onto the field. Yeah, it's I, tough. I, I would like to see at least one play – where they come out with two running backs, a short yard situation, and then we see McCaffrey flexed out, and then you, Cam gets to make a decision. He's got himself, he's got McCaffrey, and he's got a running back behind him, and I think he can really pick and you know pick apart defenses with that. I think our listening audience just went up because you said McCaffrey flex, so <laughs> people are interested in that. 
That's how that's how podcasts work, right? People are just walking by, hearing it. Right. Yeah. (laughs) That's exactly how it works. Uh, Before we get to game time, real quick, give me one sleeper. Um, one sleeper. Uh, how about um Jaden Mickens, the wide receiver, uh punt returner maybe has made some catches near the sideline. They they need somebody to punt return punts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That probably isn't DJ Moore, and I think those bottom three. Bottom two to three wide receiver positions are wide open right now. Really? I don't think it's a I don't think it's a given that Torrey Smith, Chris Hogan, yeah, uh, I don't think those guys have their have their spots already reserved. I'm going. I'm staying with the Godwin gang. I'm, I, I know you picked a receiver too, but I've, <laughs> I I've love been it. On it. No, I'm, stick, I'm, it, I'm, stick I'm, it out. I think he's the next Jarius Wright. Okay. Uh, Marquise Haynes. Mm, Keep nice. hearing a lot of people saying nice things about Marquise uh, that he's taken a step. Um, kind of grown up a little bit. The scheme suits him so much better than the previous one did as far as allowing him to kind of be a stand-up edge rusher type. Um, so we'll see. I, I, I'm, I'm a reserve judgment until we see him in a game, and that's a, 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 the case for a lot of these young guys who are trying to prove themselves. Yeah. Um, but I'm I am intrigued about Marquise. Yeah, I think, uh, again, it's like you, you, ju- you do just have to – sit and wait until you yeah. can actually see them in a game. And sometimes even the preseason doesn't matter. Yeah. But sometimes it does. To be honest, you saw Jermaine Carter last year flash during mm-hmm. the preseason. And I think that was like a real eye-opening experience for, sure. for the coaches, for the fans, for the for the writers too, to say like, well, this kid, this kid could play. Yeah. And, that, and that is something that happens when you're kind of a fifth-round pick, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh-round pick. Not necessarily for like Brian Burns, Greg Little. You expect these guys to play and to flash and to – but when it's guys like that that are making plays in the third and fourth quarter, mm-hmm. that's that's what I like to pay attention yeah. to. And the other thing, too, is that coaches get to watch him. I mean, there's so much going on at training camp. It's mm-hmm. not like Good Ron point. can have his eyes everywhere. And so all of a sudden, hey, you know, I di- I'm sorry I didn't go back and watch the uh, linebacker drills. for You know, I was too busy catching up with the offensive line right. um, a- after practice today. But th- this is an opportunity for them. I mean, these coaches, and you, you, you see it, there's so much going on that you this is that's where you have to make your name. Sure. Ready for a game? Yeah. We are doing word association this week. So I'm going to give you a word. You give me a panther that most embodies that word. Mm. Mm. Okay. This are is we fun. ready? Max, do you have – can you <laughs> Why did you pull a notepad out? No. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> yes. I jot things down. I, I wrote Just these down. You, oh, okay. All right. All right. Ready? Underrated. Uh, do we each go around and give one, or is this just like just a race to like – yeah. No, everybody's gonna give one. Oh, okay. But you don't have to do it in any order, so. I, I'm I'm gonna say Christian McCaffrey. Um, I I hear when you hear about NFC South running backs get talked about a fair amount. You hear Alvin Kamara. Kamara is, cannot do the same things that McCaffrey does in terms of the durability. The Saints intentionally kept him at 15 snaps a game. I think McCaffrey this year I think it's his is just due as as a truly elite NFL player. And they didn't they sign Latavius Murray so to like take some take some re- I mean just like Mark Ingram took some reps from mm. from Kamara last year. Yeah, I mean Kamara's Kamara's an incredible talent um but he does not do the same things that McCaffrey does but then I feel like Kamara gets the credit for for the for the flash. Mm. That's true. Uh I mean I, it's kind of a 
kind of a stock answer, but I think Kwan Short is a guy that I was just going to say does K-1. not yep. is is kind of getting slept on with all the defensive additions and you know they uh, he had uh, what some might call a down season last year, but I think he took a lot of the focus last year on that defensive line. I think that um, you know they they felt like they could at times not be doubling Dontari, they could double KK a little bit more, and this is a guy that that is has been an elite defensive tackle in his day as as little as two years ago and made made plays last year. So yeah. it's not like he was gone and asleep for 16 games. He definitely had play, had flashes of kind of that KK short that he can still become. So I think you, you can see, you might see, in my mind, that is kind of my breakout defensive player a good for one. the Panthers. Because yeah. I think he's, um, yeah, I, I think he's. KK is underrated. And there's so much more to that position than sacks. And unfortunately, that's just kind of what everybody's going to look at and judge. You either had a good season or a bad season based on how many sacks you had. That's just kind of the reality of it. I'll go Mario Addison, too, just kind of on a similar you know, position group. Mario just never gets mentioned. Um, sure. And the dude, all he's done is put up at least nine sacks each of the last three years, which is really hard to do in this league. Um, and I know everyone's excited about the new guys, but Mario and KK, I mean, those guys have been productive for a while now, and I think they just – they're all. They're going to continue to be underrated. I think they just accepted that. Um, but if you know football, you know those guys can play. Yep. It's easier to accept being underrated when you get KK's contract. I will. I will <laughs> he's got a fast. Yeah. He's fine with not having yeah. the story. <laughs> How about when I say the future? Um. I mean. Uh, Pick one, but I'll say I'll say Curtis Samuel because yeah. I mean you look at what he was able to do last year in limited time, and I I feel like there's just ten answers for this. It's weird because the the team is so built to win right now because yeah. of the veterans that they have. They also have a lot of young talent on this team when you yeah. re, when you really look at it and you kind of pull it apart. And a lot of those are at kind of the playmaker Madden positions. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's like this is going to be a fun team to play with on Madden. You throw right. those smoke screens to Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore, and I'd imagine hit they that have turbo to, button exactly. I go in a completely different direction. I just think Dave Tepper. I wow. think this the team itself, when you think about the future of the Panthers, it's beyond the football field, really. It's everything that's happening with this organization and where they're taking it. Um, practice facility, bubble, the just way the team is being branded, all or nothing. All this stuff that's happening is just so different. I mean, Colin, you've been a Panther fan for since the beginning of time. How much has this place changed, this team, to follow this team from what it was to what it is now, I feel like it just could not be more drastically different. Yeah, and, and it's, fun to, it's fun to look back sometimes. You see, like, the old, you know, now, like, the, the iconic eyes in the end zone. Like, it used to just be gray walls. You know, like, there was a time when it was just gray walls. Yeah. Like, uh, the, the growth of this team, I, I, I'm excited to see where, um, where David Tepper takes it, for, for sure, because it, it – it, it felt like it was time for a new owner and it feels like it's blossomed. Like we, we are now a part of what, of like the, you know, the leading edge of where, yeah. where teams are instead the, of being like the, the nice guys with yeah. the nice house. And like, yeah, that, you know, I've had the it for small, 20 years. The yeah. small market kind of just small town team. That's just kind of comfortable where it is. Like it, those days are gone. It, th- this place is becoming what, what is, what's the best that's out there and how do we get it? And, it's uh, so that's what when I think does about that, the future and the Panthers, that's what I think. Of. Does that do you feel that like day to day when you're yes. working there, like with with yes. all department, like just everybody's yes. being re-energized and there is no doubt that there that the that's what the expectation is now. When he says like 
we need to find any possible edge and any any part of this organization so we can be that much that slight bit better than another team out there that he 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 means it uh and that's everywhere every aspect from the business side from the football side um that's what that's what this place is trying to do i love it that kind of gave me chills when you said yeah it. <laughs> it's pretty crazy do you, do you think it's you think it's because part of that can kind of sound like you're wanting to not leave charlotte i'm not trying to say, but like you you wanting to be bigger than charlotte but i think the, the they want to be bigger right, right. but they, i feel like the panther the pan they want the panthers to be a global brand mm-hmm. but this is not that, just but yeah. part of that does have there are negatives i think if you're if you're a local yeah there, there, there are there can be real negatives and a real disconnect where it's felt like the, the panthers are a part of the community rather than a part of you know the the world yeah at large. The, i think everyone's gonna have some opinions about some of this stuff too like you heard ron say like he wasn't crazy about all or nothing. Oh, that's didn't putting, really. That's putting it real yeah, lightly. He didn't love having cameras everywhere, and you know, but like that—that that was like, look, this is what we're doing. This is what this organization is going to do. We're going to put ourselves out there for a worldwide fan base. We're going to give people access and let them see behind the curtain, and that was just something that everybody just kind of had to get on board with. I mean, you look at what they're look at what the Panthers are doing in the past six months, Dave. Uh, they have created German Twitter and Instagram feeds. Yeah. They have started tracking the amount of sweat that the players are losing, and they are live streaming the first 15 minutes of practice. All the, yeah, I didn't like, even mention that stuff. Has any of yeah. that stuff right. even been a possibility as yeah. as little as two years ago? Yeah. Well, they'd had to stop having AOL over at the stadium, you know, <laughs> to, to do some live streams. Yeah. But, yeah, things are changing. Lots yeah. of lots stuff happening. Yeah, lots of happening. Now, but do you – it's tough because it's like there, there's there, – I, I do feel like there's there's good and, and bad with this um, just, as, just as there is with anything. I mean, I'm excited about the Panthers having the, their own brand. But, you know, like the all or nothing, that content was not was, – we discussed the last year. It wasn't made for Panther fans. It was made for the fans of everybody else. And I think – I think it was made for both. I, I, I mean, there was definitely parts. Like I thought meeting te- – I thought that was kind of like our introduction to Tepper. But I felt like a lot of the storylines that they were building up in these episodes, we were sure. obviously very – you know, very familiar with. And yeah, but Panther fans have never seen Luke and Cam interact the way they did in that meeting my room favorite, when they were FaceTiming Josh Norman, yeah. you know? My so favorite I, yeah. episode. I think, I think that was what was great yeah. about the series is you didn't and have to be a Panther fan to enjoy it, and if you were, then you got to see a side of that team that you had never seen before. And, and it will be interesting to see. I mean, we, we saw how the last administration to, handled the Greg Hardy situation, things like that. And the, the answer was to shove Ron Rivera out more often than not, run, run, shove him out in front um, of reporters, I'll be interested to see. Uh, not that we had that, uh, you know, occurrence, but something's going to happen. I'll be interested to see what that response is like um, when when the time comes. Yeah. Uh, cool. We'll see. Still the honeymoon period. All right. Are we? I guess so. Mm, I, I guess. I mean, How long I does the honeymoon period end with this? I think we're in the honeymoon period until something goes wrong, right? Well, like, so, like really, like, does it? Could it be theoretically like a five-year honeymoon period until what he wants to? I don't know. I don't even know what it is. Demolish one of the sections of the stadium to put in like a party deck or something. Tepper town. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, they got they got to win some games this year. I'll tell you that. You know? Yeah. yeah. That's or else point. honeymoon could end by week seven. Need need to win. Yep. Got to win. Same as the old guy if they don't win. All right, we're gonna do one more word. All right. Colin, you didn't you didn't give me a word for future. Uh, Christian McCaffrey. Is that your is answer, that your answer for, for everything? everything? Yeah, I get the sense he likes Christian. Yeah. All right. What else we got? Big crush. Muscles. How about, how about biggest surprise? Mm, biggest. Am I answering this one first? Yeah, you got to go first now. Because oh, you, go. Chris, is it Christian McCaffrey? You cannot no. say CMC. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't. 
Yeah. Biggest surprise on a national stage, <laughs> CMC. Uh, biggest surprise locally. Um, I, I, I want to say I want to say Samuel. I want to say Samuel. Um, I know that's kind of a redundant answer, but I, I'm, I'm, so I, I love his playmaking. I just hope he can stay on the field. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for 16 games of Curtis Samuel for sure. Yeah. Um, biggest surprise. I was actually just listening to you and not coming up with a <laughs> surprise. So Max, you should go. Oh, biggest surprise. Oh, I've got one. Uh, I think Jake Delhomme is going to be really good in the, yeah, as a color a commentator. Call. I, I like everything outside the box with this. That's yeah, well, you really <laughs> once once you started going outside the box, I was like, oh, that's what yeah. you should do. Uh, yeah, I think he is going to surprise a lot of people. I think he's going to be unintelligible at times, but I think it's also going to be, and by that I mean just that Cajun in accent. a great way. He's going to yeah. get really excited at one point, and it's just going to get a little bit. He's going to start talking a little bit too fast, and then right. it's going to be like, I'm hoping that whoever he's paired with is just like. You wanna you wanna take that one again, buddy? Like <laughs> maybe just like, maybe just bring that one back. It'll be like a scene from the Water Boy. Yeah. What now? <laughs> huh? That's a good one. What do you got? Um, You're mad you didn't think of that, right? No, no, I'm not <laughs> no. that mad. It was good. I'm not. It wasn't that good to where I'm angry and yeah. I didn't think about it. Um, I'm 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 gonna say Greg Olson just because I think he's ready physically to put together a solid season he's so determined to end it on his terms um and i'm 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 just part of me is like selfishly i just really want him to be able to end it without that foot just rearing its ugly head and taking it the end of his career away um but he's he's feeling great and he's setting a whole bunch of prs in the weight room um just physically i think is as as good as he's ever felt uh, and so where I think is a lot of people are kind of nationally maybe kind of forgotten about Greg or kind of cast him aside, like, you know, his best days are behind him and mm-hmm. the broadcast booth is calling. I think he's got one more really, really solid season left in him, and I think we're going to see it. Do you think he'll retire if he breaks his foot again? If he breaks I don't the think, same bone I don't think he foot, can go through it again. Think, yeah, I, I don't think You think that'll be it? I, I like. I, mean, I almost wonder if he if he wants that kind of, not storybook ending, but he wants his own ending yeah, so badly that he just he'll just want, be like, yeah. well – I guess I'll be back again. Yeah, I think because the thing he was most proud of was that the dude didn't miss a game yep. for him. what, like 10 years? I mean, he was on this incredible just durability streak, and I, and that honestly was, I think, the thing he was most proud of. And so to have that come to an end in this way and have him deal with these injuries year after year, now nothing makes him more mad than not being out there. It's one thing if he catches ten balls one game and two the next. Greg's fine with that. Right. If they're winning, like he's cool. Um, but not being out there kills him. And I think, yeah, th- he just wants to prove so badly that he's got one more season left where he can be counted on. I was I was a little bit down on you know Greg at, uh, you know towards the end here with the with the injury and then with the the broadcast booth and the flirtations, watching all or nothing and to, to talk about the the content you know and the access that. that the Panthers are providing these days. I, I, I felt it was it was weird because it, it felt like a renewed appreciation for a guy that I've been watching for an, an yeah. extended period of time. But I really felt I really bought back in on Greg. Not that not that I not that I should have doubted him. I guess I, I feel kind of bad about that in hindsight. But yeah. that's where we were. And I and I, watching him, I'm just like let's let's go get this. Mm-hmm. I think what we should all take away from this is Colin hates Greg Olson. I think Kevin Donnelly is the best uh, guard of his generation. Love you, Kevin. And um, 75% uh, of Charlottesians uh, shower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big three takeaways. Can't, d- can't dispute numbers. Um, Max, <laughs> tell everybody where they can find you on the internets and whatnot. Oh, man. 
you can find me on Twitter at PanthersMax and Panthers.com, the official website of your Carolina Panthers, bringing you that credible, telling it like it is coverage day in and day out. Well, there's you guys are doing the road to 53, featuring yeah the miniseries is pretty yeah, good, huh? It's that, awesome. Yeah, yeah it's Which, really good. Like Which I have, n- I have nothing to do with, by the way, but I will proudly say that I am somehow associated with it. Great well, job. Max Henson, no host <laughs> of Road to 53. <laughs> no liked it so Works much. with the guy who produces <laughs> Road to 53. But the, the, that, that product doesn't even – it's not even brought up 10 years ago. Like that, the, the idea of like right. a, a, a hard knocks – like not only are we going to be selected for hard knocks, we're going to kind of do our own yeah. little version of yeah. hard knocks. Yeah, Very and cool. the amount of hours those guys are putting in to try to get that show done. Yeah, it's it's a lot of work for the players at training camp, and it's also a lot of work for the staff down there, too, to try to churn this stuff out. So, yeah, credit to those to our video team putting that thing together. It's not easy, and, yeah, I thought that first episode was awesome. If, you weren't, if I knew you weren't involved, I wouldn't have brought it up. <laughs> it's okay. we got to give credit to those guys. They deserve it. Way to go, Colin. Colin, where can they find you? <laughs> at Colin CLT on Twitter. Once a week. Once a week. Yep. <laughs> uh, Mr. Klein. You can follow me at Josh Klein Rules on Twitter. You can follow the Riot Report at our Riot Report for all of your training camp needs uh, that you cannot get on Panthers.com, which, to be honest, I, I think that when we have guests on the show, I – I think a lot of people can like view us as like competing mm-hmm. and I don't think that's the case. I think the whole entire, the entirety of our jobs is to bring the most rounded coverage to Carolina Panthers fans possible. And if yeah. it means that it's like, we're both, we're all writing different stuff and putting out more stuff, the, the more the merrier. And I think yeah. that's kind of why we like having guys like you and, and Jordan and Joe and people that kind of look at us and say like, Oh, well, they're trying to like compete against each other. And yeah, in a sense we are, but the reality is, is we're just trying to put out the most content yep. possible. And uh, your stuff has been great. Everybody. And that's the, yeah. everyone wants to put out different stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like it's not like we're all trying to do the same. Everyone wants to do something different. So yeah, I think it's Panther fans out there should be following all of us because yeah. you're going to get a little bit of something different from each one. It's good um, for the fans because it's making everyone better too. Yeah. Like, that's like the, I completely better, agree. Yeah, better when, coverage, like more unique. Right. Coverage. When you see, like, when I, if I see Josh put out like a really unique story angle and it's like, damn, you know, yeah. I, how come I didn't think of that? You know, and it just kind of pushes you to try to come up with something. So no doubt. I think the, uh, the crew we've got is small. By NFL standards, but it's a good group down there training camp and all throughout the season covering this team. Yeah, I would agree. Same thing for our our crew is small and. Oh, I, mean, I meant like the Panthers. Oh, I thought, I, I thought you meant Panthers.com. No, you have like, a, you have a small crew too. No, like the the beat guys on the Panthers. Oh yeah, oh, we've the got Panthers a it's, family. It's a small group. When but, it's uh, the six of us. Yes, uh, <laughs> for, that's what for I meant. Week four of the preseason, yes. when it's like you, me, and yeah. Jordan watching that Pittsburgh exactly. Carolina Panthers game. <laughs> exactly. Oh, we aren't going to get rid of that tradition, though, are we? <laughs> no, that was that was hanging. <laughs> ah! Week four against the Steelers it is does, not going anywhere. It does happen to be a Steelers tie? Yes. Nikki, where can they find you on the internet? Does anyone ever ask you that? Nope. Oh. No one wants to find me. That's because right. everyone. Everybody knows. Found yeah, everybody knows where to find her. It's true. Local celebrity. That's right. My mom knows how to find me. Celebrity of the year, right? No. That's all I do. Nikki704 on Twitter, in case you want to see my ramblings about Nebraska football and whatnot. Josh, cue up a song. Are you ready? No. Fail. <laughs> fail, fail, fail. This has been One Day Contract, part of the Riot Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Max Henson, your One Day Contract is up. We'll see you all next week. A bright eyed
girl. 